Hello and welcome to another edition of What We Could Have Been, the podcast which is basically about how lives are very similar to a roller coaster and they can take many twists or turns. I'm Chelsea Grimes, a singer, songwriter and footballer and quite frankly without the help and support of my next guest on this episode I'm not really sure where I'd be. Like me, his passions are football and music, and I first met him when he was playing for Liverpool. He also played for Fulham in the Premier League, Ajax in the Netherlands. He played in Germany, Turkey and Spain. He's also played in World Cups and European Championships for Holland. For me personally, you know, we go way back. This guest, he found me when I was 16 years of age in Liverpool and took a chance on me. And yeah, I always, always, always will never forget what he's done for me. This is what we could have been with Ryan Babel. Cause it kills me every time that I see what we could have been. I've been starting the podcast with everyone just like how did we meet because I'm not talking to just anyone I'm talking to people who I've got history with who I've you know who I've met before and we've got experiences yeah. but I feel like our story is so good that we might not start there we might just start with you and um, take it right back to the very beginning trip down memory lane and what what was it like for you growing up your mentality and you know your first break into the game what what was it like growing up for you well if you if you know about uh, Holland, I grew up in uh, in a neighborhood that was in the nineties was very dangerous. Yeah, it was mostly known for for bad publicity. I went to school. Uh, obviously, I had talent. I knew that from an early stage on. And um, I went to school, and uh, my dad was uh, you know on my back constantly trying to keep me disciplined. I had bad friends, obviously, and um, everybody obviously at some point at one point had you know some bad influence in their life and. Uh, but my father was there constantly in my back. And eventually, in the Youth Academy of Ajax, you know, they teach you discipline from a very early stage. And um, that kept me focused until, you know, 17 years of age, uh, where I could uh, make my debut in 2004 already. Yeah, that's where all, all the, you know, my life started to change. You know, I became a professional football player. Yeah. How how old was you when you did start at Ajax? You just said then you come right through the academy, but and you also just mentioned that you knew that you had talent. When how old was that when you found out? So I started playing football when I was seven, and with you know uh, my generation at that time, the the older lads from seven, I was always the better one. So my father at one point wanted me to play with lads who were one or two years older. Even then, you know, I was I was pretty doing well. And then uh, eventually at age 10, Ajax showed interest and uh, scouted me basically. And um, that's where my journey started with Ajax. And all of a sudden you're playing with, even though same age categories, there were like guys who were stronger, faster than you. And you had to try to adapt. And, you know, all of a sudden you were not the special one anymore. Right. So uh, I had to cope with that the first few years. And um, that really early on kept me going. And, 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 and that was good for my development. Who, who was your idol growing up? You know, what era were we talking when, when you were watching football? Who, who did you want to be like? Yeah, so at first it started obviously with Ajax. You know, Ajax were the superheroes. Say they won the Champions League in 96, or I think it was 95 actually, against uh, AC Milan. So they were all superheroes for us growing up, you know. And uh, I guess it's that feeling with, 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 with what Liverpool experienced last season. And, and, and yeah, it was great, you know. You want to grow up and you want to play for Ajax, you know. And... Uh, Eventually, 
as I slowly, you know, playing for Ajax, all of a sudden I, I became an Arsenal fan actually very early on because of the Invincibles. You know, Cherry Henry as, as, as my personal football player, as, as idol, and um, I idolized him uh, as, you know, similar playing style at that time. And I, I was fortunate also to play uh, against him uh, in the Champions League with Ajax. Uh, I remember the old was stadium. Was that a, a moment when yeah, you were just incredible. like... It's incredible, you know, uh, the old Ar Arsenal stadium at Highbury. For me, it was it was unreal. Of course, you're still young, but you're a football player yourself. But you're you're still so starstruck. All of a sudden, you're walking in between all those you know big guys. You know, yeah, that was definitely a motivation, inspiration to strive for more. You know, and and, and try to become uh, yeah my best self. So when was you know because I, I I've been speaking to a lot of musicians and actors, actresses, you know, footballers, and I've I've got into it that like a lot of us not not anxious but there's been a moment when we've felt like oh are we good enough are we not can you ever remember like a moment just before you you know you really struck home and you were the best player you can ever be was there a moment that you can remember where you were just like is this for me or did you always just have that in you I mean I knew I was gonna become football player but it was a time that everyone just wanted to make it at Ajax you know and you had a lot of players who were not good enough for Ajax, but in a different route, they became still an incredible football player and, and eventually reached the, the top, you know. But that time as a young lad, if, if you were not good at Ajax, you felt like your whole world was kind of like, you know, finished. With my generation, I was one of the last players who received a contract. So with the other players before me receiving a contract, I had doubts like, oh, are, am I good enough actually? Am I getting a contract, you know? And... That was a lot of anxiety at that time and, and, and eventually I got it and, and I remember they still gave me the feeling like, yeah, it was 50-50, we weren't sure, <laughs> but there are a few coaches who believe in you and, you know, so still, you know, it was kind of nerve-wracking, obviously, and yeah, eventually, you know, with hard work. You yeah. Know, uh... Did you use that though? Because I know what I'm like as a player, like, you know, there's there's different players and, you know, you, you prefer different coaching styles, but I, I use that to my advantage. Like I use it to play better, but I know some players might take that and they need the arm around the shoulder. Did you feel like you used that to like propel? I think I was always the type of player who, who needed a combination of that. Of course, I didn't want to get anything for free because, you know, growing up you had these type of players who had those coaches who were always, you know, had these type of relationships. But I never had that. But at the same time, I do recall having my better uh, moments in my career when coaches actually showed belief in you, you know, even though they didn't give you for free, but they showed you actually that they believed in you. And that's where I was able to perform my best. And, and I also obviously had difficult coaches, you know, um, I think it's it's well known that Rafa Benitez in my time in Liverpool was one of the coaches who made, you know, my career very difficult. And, um, you know, if you realize, you know, I came at Liverpool when I was 20, it was the first time living abroad a country, it was the first time living by myself. I always lived with my parents together and, yeah, you know, I had to adapt and, 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 and you know, settle all of a sudden very quick. But at the same time, I had to perform from the start, you know. Um, I had no help from my teammates. I had no help from assistant coaches, what you get here in, in Ajax growing up, you know. Uh, so it was very new, you know, it was very new. But at the same time, that made me me mentally stronger and what I used to my advantage later on uh, in my career. Yeah, you just spoke there on, on managers. Who's been the, the best, not the best manager, but the, the manager that you've got a lot of, you know, a lot of credit for? And I'm sure it's for everyone, but, you know, has there been one person that you really, you'll give a lot of time back to? 
I think it was the last year before I joined Liverpool in Ajax was a coach called Henk ten Kaat. He was also assistant coach at the time in Barcelona from Frank Rijkaard with uh, Ronaldinho and, and Messi. <laughs> Just those li- little players. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I also think he was assistant at one point at Chelsea when uh, Gus Hiddink was coaching. Yeah, you know, he uh, he was the type of manager who didn't give it to me for free, but was really on my ass to make sure I believed how good I was. And yeah, I had a very great season that, that last season in Ajax. And that was also part of the reason that I was able to make that step to Liverpool. And he definitely at a very young age uh, got the best out of me. Well, I, I was very happy that you joined Liverpool, not just because as a player, but because obviously we got to meet each other. And this whole podcast is about, you know, the stars aligning and, and that everything just kind of falling into play. And also doing a 360 because my, my journey has been a crazy roller coaster. But, you know, talking about your Liverpool move, you did just mention it again. But I don't think players get enough credit from fans. You know, like you said, they ex- expect you to fly over, put your boots on, get out there and just do it. And, and what you just said, you know, you're away from your family. And it's like anyone, if we, if I picked up my bag tomorrow and moved to America to be a song, I, you know, you, you're writing differently, you're playing differently, your head's what what was the biggest or hardest thing for you apart from obviously like you said being away from family are you good at meeting new people do you slide in a team well or what no, was I've, it like I've always been very easy and and, and uh, to meet new people and, and and settle and try to find my way I think the most difficult one is always like you just said like fans they expect you to perform from the start without excuses because they will always say, well, you're getting paid very well, so you should. You know, I wish it was that easy. You know, at the same same time, we are still human beings and and we still have feelings and uh, we still have to adapt. So, yeah, you cannot be, you know, on point 24-7 your whole season or your whole career, right? So definitely in the beginning, I I struggled with with fans' opinions and and I think that was a time also where where Twitter all of a sudden became very popular. So I was one of the very first players on Twitter. So now you're reading fans' opinions directly. Yeah. Uh, you know, straight after matches, straight after training sessions, before the the matches, and that had in the beginning a lot of influence on definitely how I felt. You know, uh, during that time. I can imagine that. I can imagine that. And also, you know, now there's a lot of Dutch players in the Liverpool team, you know, like Ginny and Virgil and stuff, and you play with them in the national team. Do you, is there a party that wishes you were in the team now, maybe with those boys? Because, you know, they, I'm sure that you're closer to them because you speak the same and stuff. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, I think the difference between now and then, now they, they are looking so much more a real unit as a whole team, you know? You always, people always said in football, like you don't have to be the best friends in football, you know? You can be good colleagues only. But I still think now also with the national team and, and what I can tell also from the Liverpool team, like if you actually also build that relationship outside football or or even just a better connection, you can see that everybody wants to work for each other also in the difficult times. And, and that's the biggest difference with now and then, you know. Uh, then you had a lot of uh, the Spanish boys only hanging out with each yeah. other. Uh, yeah. You know, the English boys sitting at one table and then you had the rest of the world, basically, you know. Yeah. And and that was difficult. That was difficult, not always easy. But still, though, you know, um, I think if you... I've been already now... I've had a great run with my career, you know, almost retiring, I think, two more years. But still, Liverpool has definitely been one of my best memories of my career just from learning experience the whole league uh, learning about Liverpool uh, you know the fans were special 
and uh, the whole atmosphere, like the totality, like definitely uh, special for me. So obviously Liverpool, you know, we're known for the football. We are also known for the Beatles. <laughs> we're also known for music. And what you've done, which people will not know, is that my career really did start with Ryan Babel. Right. It was football and music coming together. So for everyone listening out there, this is a real story, by the way. It sounds made up, but it's really not. Right. Ryan done a talent show for Juice FM, which was the biggest radio station in the country. And I was still, well, I think I'd just left Liverpool like a season before that. My friends, I was at a house party. I remember it clearly. And it come on the radio as an advert, you know, get to meet Ryan Babble. And, you know, you get to work with him in his studio and you get a whole, you know, and I, I just started playing piano. I think I knew like three chords. Oh. Anyway, I think our right back, Shanice Williams, shout out to you. She put me in it and I'm signed me off and I ended up turning up for an audition and I got through to the final still didn't really know what I was doing I think I'd wrote about three or four songs by then and I was six six seventeen sixteen seventeen at this point sixteen and yeah I ended up getting to the final did not think I was going to win talking about you know having players being coached and having this and having that I remember turning up with me mum and holding this piano that like I said I knew three chords on and everyone else there was some kids there from like Lippet who everyone knows is Paul McCartney's school and they were like oh this is my manager this is my agent and I was like well I'm, I'm with me mum I ended up winning it was crazy and they were singing you know like well it's a wonderful night for a moon <laughs> so like huge songs and I turned up and, and I sang my own song that I'd wrote and I just remember just being so nervous it felt like me words were shaking out of my mouth just to meet you because I was like a, a huge huge Liverpool fan and then it was I just still, when I tell the story, I feel like you can hear the excitement in my voice still because it sounds like a crazy made-up story. But, you know, after that, I got to spend time with you and you got some amazing producers in and we got I got to learn what a back and vocal was how how did you even come up with the idea? And, and second of all, thank you so much. No problem, no problem. Actually, it was uh, for me also actually a start of a journey because the thing was before when I was in Holland... I was known there as like a rapper also, basically, because I made some raps with, uh, at that time, the, the Dutch rappers who were on top of here, on top of their game. And we made some music and all of a sudden um, I got criticized when, you know, I didn't perform so well. And, and they were like, oh, he's focusing on music and blah, blah, blah. And so I had to stop doing that. But still, obviously, music was my second passion and I wanted to find something that I could still be involved, but then not so much on the forefront. So uh, I, I, I learned, uh, I got to know uh, some people in the UK when I moved to Liverpool who said, actually, you know what, you should find talent and try to develop them. So I asked like, how does that work? You know, well, you know, set up a talent show, you know, uh, uh, make your own label and you sign them. And, and, and then, you know, you can learn from the artist and, and, and they can learn from you. You know, at that time already, I was kind of familiar with studios. I was familiar with the software. So I had that set up already. And then, yeah, you know, I was setting up the talent show, trying to find my first own talent. And then, and, and, yeah, you are the first person that I ever worked with, you know. It was, it's just crazy there, don't you think? Talking about serendipity, you know, I played for Liverpool, a Liverpool player is doing a talent show. I end up doing it, I win. And then it was, it was, you know, we got like really close, like as you you and your family and we go to the games together and I get, oh, it was just, for me, that is still, when I think about my career till 
I don't know, till the day I die, I will yeah. still tell my grandchildren that yeah. story and yeah. I'll still tell. I'm, I, honestly. I must say, you know, it, 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 uh, I was a little bit sad when I think the, your mom's friend got involved. Yes. You know, because I felt like we didn't really, we didn't really actually were able, we, I felt like we just had our feet wet both. Yeah. You know, we, we got to know each other and, and we, we find it. So I, I slowly knew what kind of sound you wanted at that time, you know, so we were... Yeah, because I didn't have a clue. Yeah, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, your friend came in, uh, your mother's friend came in and, 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 yeah, you know, kind of spoiled it for us, I think. But still, it was a definitely a great learning experience still until this day. Like, yeah, you know, that was also for me the start of a journey, you know, like the music business, you know, and... That was definitely a learning learning moment. It was for everyone listening. So I'll, I'll make it clear for everyone listening. So that was like, again, I was very green to the industry and still a story that I still go on to tell. I'm on now my third managing company and now I'm managed by Tapu Manage, you know, Dua Lipa, Ellie Goulden. But at that time in Liverpool, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And there was a guy in Liverpool who was in the industry or, you know, it was it was round about that and it was one of those things where I think people especially young people I hear the story so many times you know you get pulled this way you get pulled that way and for all the young songwriters listening and, and writers I do think key is having the right people around you and not believing that someone can just come in and swoop in because people all do want a bit of you I think at that time you know like I said I was I was very green and and, and I didn't really know what I was doing but then you know go from there then I remember you chose not not chose to leave but you and Liverpool ended up no more where did you go on to then was it Germany I went to Germany yeah how was that and that's where I started to be more consistent and more grown up with uh, actually my football game it was the first time joining a team that wasn't really competing for the top for a championship it was a, a team that was trying to compete for place number eight, you know, trying to reach European football. They were satisfied when they were fifth or sixth place, you know, and playing in a team that didn't have the ball more often than the op- opposition, you know. So you had to be, you had to get your, you know, clothes dirty and you had to chase the ball more. And, and that was definitely for me a great learning experience at age 24 at that time. You know, in Ajax and Liverpool, you're used to dom- dominate uh, the team most of the time. And now you were the opposition. So, you know, that was an experience for me that, uh, you know, I had to get used to in the beginning. And, and, and Yeah, what, what was that like for you? Because you're such an attack and explosive player. What, what, what had to change in your game? Well, obviously, you had to be more together with the team. You know, you, you have to try and find a tactic, a solution to get the ball as quick as possible. You know, so you really train on that, like training without the ball. What, what are you doing when the team is trying to play this way or that way? And, you know, you're playing against Bayern Munich, Dortmund, you know, Schalke, Leverkusen, all these teams were so good with the ball. And you as team had to try and find a way to stop them, right? That helped my game a lot also because now you had finally experienced how you have to play uh, or how you had to play against teams who are better than you. So... Yeah, a few a few years later when I finally joined Ajax again, now I knew how to think how they were thinking, right? So yeah. it it is definitely it definitely helped my career. Reverse psychology, I like it. Right. Yeah, you know. Smart. Yeah. So did you do any music in Germany at all? In Germany, no. In Germany, I I unfortunately didn't had the right setup at home and also the right apartment. 
So that was where I kind of lost touch with development. But then I went back to Holland and that's where I kind of catched up again. You've got back now, haven't you? Yeah. We're going to go on to another thing that we have in common, which was Fulham. So I got to see you again. I mean, what are the chances of that? A whole 360 again. So I got back into football. I started playing at Fulham Ladies. And then I turned on the TV. And here's me old mate, Ryan, joining Fulham. What was... Did you jump at that chance or was that a bit of a thought for you were you thinking ah back to the premier league ah. it was a, it was a 50 50 thing I, uh, I definitely was happy with the opportunity lovely club really nicely run yeah you know it's a it's a it's a nice place to play craven cottage nice little stadium but at the same time i was already at an age that i felt like should i do that can i still do it you know i was 30 plus already and 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 you know premier league is the toughest toughest league in the world it's very physically and I wasn't sure if I was able to do that and um, but at the same time I felt like hey you know I, I got nothing to lose I, I went in with that mentality and, and, and eventually it's, it's been a great you know half a year for me personally you know fortunately we got relegated you were, yeah you were the star player you know everyone around the club when I was training and at the games everyone couldn't be more it's like you come in and the results that you were getting the goals you were scoring that goal you scored I don't know it was against again but that rocket I mean you were you were on fire yeah yeah I mean I was I was happy I was definitely happy because I also was able to change the perception a bit about you know my person because I, I I felt like the people from the UK didn't really follow me abroad after I left Liverpool so they still had this image of oh Ryan Babel this this filled yeah. Liverpool player or whatever it was. So it it was it definitely helped to change that perception a little bit. What what is the differences do you think from living in London to Liverpool as well? Because I, I know I know for myself, you know, I grew up and, and now I live in London. What did you find the biggest differences? Obviously it's a lot bigger, it's a lot busier. A lot busier. I feel like the people are also different, you know. I feel like people in Liverpool are very nice. You know, London you meet a lot of different type of people and uh, yeah, you know, you need to know how to deal with that. But uh, yeah, you know, a lot of different type of cultures in London and, and different type of areas and, and, and neighborhoods. And, and yeah. in Liverpool overall, I felt like uh, even though you had, you know, the poor neighborhoods and, and, and the middle class, uh, I felt in general that the Liverpool people were similar, you know, like very yeah. nice, very polite. Yeah, that's, I think, for me, was the main difference. Yeah, it was. It was. I remember him. I had this. I'll never forget it. Like I had this T-shirt, which was like ripped and distressed and stuff. And I must have wore it like three or four times in London. No one says a word. And then I got back to Liverpool and I had it on. And as soon as I stepped off the train and my foot touched Liverpool soil, this girl went, fucking hell, girl, you must be freezing in that. (laughs) I'm home. I'm home. Like just, they just do not care. I was like, brilliant. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. So then after, after Fulham, we go back. Where are you next after Fulham? What happened there? Were you were you thinking about retiring then, or you still had time in in you? I signed for Galatasaray in Turkey. Talk to me about that, because that must have been a different culture shock. Well, I mean, I already uh, I already uh, been in Turkey twice. In between, actually, I also went in Spain for a few months, and and I went actually to uh, the Emirates. You know, I played in Dubai for a season. After Fulham, I went back to Turkey, so I already knew what Turkey, how the league was there. And Galatasaray is basically like, you know, the number one team in Turkey. So big team, they, they need to win titles. They're always playing, you know, European Cups. So, yeah, you know, uh, the expectations high, you know. And um, I signed there and I still have a contract with them uh, for another two seasons. 
But yeah, you know, uh, they gave me the opportunity to, to play at the highest level uh, again, you know, after Fulham. Yeah, I try to enjoy it as much as possible. Um, unfortunately, the Euros now is, is, is delayed, is pushed back for another year until next yeah. season. So that's one of my goals still. And then after that, I think, you know, I can be satisfied, you know, with my career and, 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 and hang up my boots, uh, maybe. Okay, so I've been asking everyone, you know, the highlight and the low. Like, what do you think the toughest time in your career has been so far? When you look back from, like you said, the age of seven playing, it could have been not getting into the next under 10s or anything. But can you remember being like really like disheartened by a moment? I think it was not really a specific moment. It was, I think, a moment of a period of time, right? So, you know, you grew up in Ajax. You, 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 you make a great move to Liverpool. So, like, you know, you're kind of like on top of the mainstream football, right? People talk about opinions. But when I left Liverpool to Germany, at that time, with all due respect to an average club who people didn't really know about, you know, in, in, in general, that was a time where I found out at, at least how it felt like I wasn't really relevant anymore. And I had to work really hard, try to become relevant again. That was a time that was very difficult, you know. Um, you had to dig deep a little. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, you grew up at Ajax, you were always special. You know, Ajax was always the team, you know, people were, were talking to, uh, talk about. You know, Liverpool, same same kind of, you know, uh, vibes. And, and, and people always, you know, were talking. Even if you didn't play much, you were always in the spotlight, right? So... And now you make a move and nobody's talking about you anymore. Nobody's writing about you anymore. They don't really care about you anymore. And that was difficult. That was very difficult. Yeah. So I, I must say that time was definitely maybe the lowest period of my career. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. But like you just said, then it is about having that mentality of, you know, I don't know, 60%, maybe 50% might have just went, well, you know what, I can deal with being an eighth and I can probably drop down now. And I'm, But you got back and, and, you know, like I said, I know you and you are a fighter. And like you said, where you've come from, you've had to fight for everything and it shows there, you know, you come back to the Prem and you left like with your name back up there where it belongs, you know what I mean? What's the highlight then? What do you think, you know, it can be national side, it can be anything. What do you think is the highest or, you know, could still be... I think the highlight for me was definitely after, because that period actually uh, for not kind of being in the picture lasted more or less six years. And now I kind of make that move to Turkey and I played, you know, Champions League again. And now after six years, I got selected by national team again. So I wasn't selected for, for six years national team. Was that a shock? Oh, yeah. It was eventually a shock, but I deserved it because I was playing very well. I and and that. it was a time when, when Dutch national team was kind of going there. You know, uh, they had to rebuild the whole squad. And, and so it was timing, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of those things you need to you need to have a little bit of luck and timing. And, and the timing was very well for me. I was doing well. So I got a chance and, and I took it. And, and, and that was the whole, you know, story like, oh, he 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 gave his career, you know, uh, a rebirth, you know, um, a new life. You know, people were so surprised, like, oh, he's, he's in national team again. Like, how is that possible? You know, uh, people forgot about me, especially here in Holland, you know. And I think that was definitely a great moment to experience that all of a sudden I was, I, I mattered again. 
And because you just put the work in, yeah, of course, you deserved it. I love that. I love that. Do you enjoy international football? Because I know a lot of fans, if it's not a major tournament, would it just be like, oh, international? But as a player, is there nothing better than going there and, you know, you like I said, use it all from the same place and you've kind of already, already got an established connection. Do you, do you enjoy it as much as club football or is it a completely different thing? It's different. It's different. It's You do feel always the type of tension because, you know, it's always like, hey, you need to perform to be able to get, you know, a selection. And once you're selected, then it's like, okay, now you need to kick ass because you want to play. You want to be a starter, right? So even though you have good relationships, it's still like very competitive, right? Yeah. And, and, and you have like two or three players who are at the top of their game also who are playing on your position, but only one can play, right? So... Um, yeah, you do feel the tension sometimes, and and and, and so it's a different like it's, uh, with with club yeah. you're more relaxed even though you have competition, but you feel like you have more time, right? So if you don't play one game, you know you can have a good week to maybe change that. But national team, yeah. you have to be on point, like you cannot slack. Yeah. Have you got any like? Cl- are you close with any of the boys there? Do you stay in touch with them when you're on a camp, or is it like? You know, I'm I'm good. Like I'm very easygoing. I'm I'm good with everybody. We have a groups app, by the way. You know, and and uh, and and uh, yeah, we keep in touch in the groups app. You know, uh, if 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 things are like, if somebody is 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 posting some funny stuff on Instagram, we share it in the group chat. We have a, a little banter with each other, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny. He's having a laugh there. What about, so you've got a little boy. Is he playing football? He's already nine, actually. So he's a, he's a big <laughs> lad now, almost, Riley. But uh, he's playing football. Yeah, he's playing football in Turkey for Galatasaray, the youth, actually. So uh, it's good. What, what, what is something that you're trying to, not install in him, but I saw an interview with Robin Van Persie and he was talking about his son and he said, you know, his son was on the bench, I think, and, and he was going, oh, it's his fault and it's his fault. And I'm not, and Robin said, listen, I love you, you're my son, whether you play or not, but you sound like a loser. He said, you know, and he was, it was a really nice story to watch, but I always think for those kids and, you know, Ronaldo's son, he plays and I just think, you know, is there anything that you can pass down or is it literally just go and have a good time and try and be the best you can be. I think for us as who experienced this whole journey, we definitely have an advantage to give our children something extra, what a father cannot give a child if he didn't experience, you know, top level. Um, and, and, And we also been playing, so we know what certain type of coaching does with you. Right. If it's a strong coaching, if it's a more like so you're trying to find a good balance with that sometimes to be, you know, push hard and sometimes, you know, like chill a little bit. But definitely you try to not break the pleasure for them. You know, they need to they need to like it, you know, and if they don't like it, then, yeah, you might as well, you know, like don't let them play because it, it won't last. Right. So they always yeah. need to try and find the happiness of doing it. That's very important. What are, what are you like as a father on the sideline? Are you like, Wah! Are you are you calm? Are you? I'm yeah. a little bit of both. Sometimes I let myself go, and then I'll be like, oh wait, no, you know, chill. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I always try to keep my cool and try to actually give tough information, but in a slick way that it doesn't sound come off harsh, right? Yeah. Oh, so, God. This yeah. reverse psychology you've got going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've been really thinking about stuff that I experienced that I didn't like at all, you know, 
the approach. The approach is really important because sometimes if the approach is wrong, the information can be good, but it doesn't stick. You don't hear, you'll be like, you feel attacked and you'll be like, leave yeah. me alone, right? So you always try to have an approach that they actually pay attention to your words. That's important. That's awesome. Great, great advice there. So you just mentioned then, we're going to come to the end of the of this talk in a minute, but you did say about, you know, almost retiring. Is there a place where you'd like to finish? Is there anywhere like you, you see yourself settling down? I know you can't say too much because like you said, you're in contract, but... I mean, I would definitely, I don't know if it's realistic, but I, at some point, I would like to return to Fulham actually. Would you, yeah? Because I've only been there six months and my wish was actually to stay, right? But, you know, when they got relegated and it's not because they got relegated, but also with a lot of other things, like <clears throat> if I would stay, then then also my position in the national team would, you know, be in danger. And next season, uh, after the Euros, you know, then I might have to stop with national team anyway. So then it's more easier to play for anybody if I want to, you know what I mean? So I would definitely... Uh, if possible, one day want to return to to Fulham, but yeah, you have to always wait because, like I said, timing and 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 you need a little bit of luck. You know, there need to be space, of course, and and so yeah, we will see. That's awesome. That's music to my ears. And talking about music, what else is going on in music world? Have you still got? A, are you signed? Come on, let's get to that. What have you signed? What have you got? No, so yeah, <laughs> I still I still have uh, I still have my own label. I have two artists signed. One is. Um, based out here in Holland, who already dropped his music uh, last year. I've also signed an artist from Los Angeles by the name of T-Dot. We are dropping a project for him next month. Is he a producer, singer, rapper? He's a singer, rapper, kind of. Rapper, you know? okay. Yeah, yeah. So he does a little bit of both. He, he can sing his own hooks if you want. Um, he's been already writing with a lot of, you know, major artists like like G.E.C., Snoop Dogg, Meek Mill and stuff. Oh. and. So now, you know, finally he, he has his own shot. Uh, it was a good situation for him, but also for me as independent. So hopefully, you know, I can benefit it in, 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 a, in a good way from it as well, as, as he has, you know, uh, hopefully can benefit with it uh, for his career. And, and then, you know, we're going to grow together. Awesome. I love that. So end of the talk. At the end of the career, football manager or music manager? <laughs> I mean... I've always said that if I quit football, then I really quit in football. So I don't think you find myself being a pundit or, or, or being an assistant coach. That's how I think about it now. But you never know. You never know. Uh, you know, when I was in Fulham, I, I got to experience the transition for Scott Parker. You know, he, he, he was assisted and all of a sudden he, he had to be the coach. And that was his first job, you know, like without actually pre uh, preparing for it. And, and um, we, me and him talked a lot and, and I could really see him you know, in the beginning, the first two weeks being a little bit uncomfortable, then eventually being very comfortable in how he wanted to coach the team. And, and, and that was definitely uh, eye-opener to see, like, what it does with a person all of a sudden if you are the person who is responsible for a club, right? No, I, I loved working with, with Scott Parker. And, and uh, you know, he's, uh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy, but also a very good coach. You know, um, yeah. he, I hope he can definitely show that with the players eventually with the playing style and sometimes you need time it's, it's not it's not always directly visible you know for people but if they keep him long enough eventually they will Fulham will definitely be back on top 
Oh, right. Thank you so much for joining us. Honestly, it's always a pleasure to talk to you because it's nostalgia for me, what I feel. (laughs) I still feel like the 16-year-old kid on my piano every time I see you. Um, Thank you so much, okay? And have a great day. Thank you. You too. Stay safe. That was so much fun. Um, Ryan Babble, everyone, you know, what a career he's had and he's he's still up there playing, you know, at the top, top level. And yeah, it's just, it was a real trip down memory lane for me, that one. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the guests I've been speaking to, it's about their personal journey and maybe I've crept in here and there. But for me, you know, I think you really heard there that he had a massive part to play in my career as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the series and please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. I'll be back next time with another amazing guest. This is what we could have been. I'll see you next week.